Hey everybody, welcome to the Erased Americans. This is your host, Jerry Wan. Thank you for joining us for this episode 71, launching on Friday, August 28th. And this is going to be a great conversation that we had yesterday about the census. We are an official partner of the 2020 census and an honor for us to host this conversation with some great friends of mine, Minji Chang of First of All Pod and former executive director of Collaboration, Dan Matthews of International Secret Agents and Musician, also known as Dan, a.k.a. Dan, and Henry An of TGWN Co., whose agency is leading the communications for the Asian American and the Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander communities for the 2020 census. Uh, we brought some friends together so we could share with you why we're so passionate about our Asian American community, uplifting each other's voices, and why it is so important to all of us individually and collectively to make sure that we do all we can to make sure that we are counted. Uh, the census deadline is coming up, and it only happens every 10 years. So we encourage you uh, to learn more through our conversation here with my friends and to do research on your own to get all the facts and to make sure that you spend the few minutes that it requires to fill it out. One of the reasons why it's so important to fill it out is obviously um, how it is used to divide funding for various programs amongst the communities in which we live. And also it helps shape our future. It is a way for the government to decide how many congressmen we get per state. And those have far reaching implications and impact for decades to come. Uh, big thanks again to TDW and co Henry, Bryce, Gloria, and the rest of the team. Uh, thank you for inviting us to participate in this 2020 census Asian week of action. Here at the Asian Americans and the Asian Podcast Network, we're really excited and honored to host this conversation and look forward to hosting more great and engaging conversations for our community. Thanks again for listening. And here now is the conversation about the census with Minji, Dan, Henry, and myself. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 2020 Census Dear Asian Americans podcast live recording. We're excited that you can join us today. This is a part of the 2020 Census Asian Week of Action in partnership with 2020 Census. Uh, we're joined by some amazing friends from the community. And if you're joining us here on the West Coast, it's lunchtime. So if, if you're eating lunch, if you're taking a break from uh, your work at home or you're going to school and you're taking a bit of a lunch break, we thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, let us know in the comments where you're tuning in from. Uh, we've got this little nifty streaming software here that we can communicate with you here. Those of us who are on the call here, uh, we're having lunch ourselves or at least snacks. I went to the Korean market and got myself some Milkis, which is my favorite soda of all time. And then not to forget our native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander friends. I also got a can of Kona coffee. So... If you're eating, let us know what you're eating in the comments and join us. So for the next hour, we're just going to talk, learn about our guests, where they're coming from, what they do now, and why we're all here uh, to talk about the census. So let's start with Henry, all the way from the Pacific Northwest. Welcome, Henry. Thanks, Jerry, for having us. Definitely excited to be a part of this broadcast and talking about 2020 census. For those of you who are unaware, the 2020 census is a count of everyone living in the United States. It happens only once every 10 years, and 2020 being the year that a lot of things are happening, just happens to fall on this year, uh, and the deadline is coming up. So we definitely want to take some time to talk about the census with some good friends of ours 
and just kind of answer any questions that anyone may have. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. And let's come back here to LA and say hello to Minji. Hi, Jerry and guys, Henry and Dan. Glad to be here. I am the host of First of All Podcast. I'm also an actor and writer and producer, and I am the former executive director of Collaboration, which is a platform to elevate and connect Asian American Pacific Islander artists. So I've been in the diversity space for like 11 years, can't seem to leave, <laughs> and currently a board member for Collaboration. Really excited to talk about the census, which I never thought I would ever say in my entire life. <laughs> well, don't ever leave the diversity space, Minji. I think we're all better because of you and you. collaboration in our own ways, even though we didn't directly all meet through collaboration. The four of us all have at our time, uh, Minji, obviously, the most intense and the longest tenure. But all of us, we owe our friendship and this podcast, I guess, uh, the relationship that forms this uh, crew here to collaboration. So. Shout out to Roy and other Christine and PK and everybody who's poured in sweat and tears over all these years. Um, we know. Of, <laughs> speaking of <laughs> speaking of awesome musical talents, uh, hey Dan, how are you, man? What's going on? I do not have snacks. I've got coffee though on my second <laughs> cup today, so it's it's going well. Well, coffee's good. We want to be alert. Well, um, I'm ready to talk. Sweat. Let's go. Let, let's go in reverse order. Let's start with Dan and uh, share with us a little bit more before we get to talking about the census, your involvement and your passion for elevating the voices of the Asian American community. In what ways did you first get involved and how do you stay involved today? That's a very loaded question. Short of it is that I got involved when I was in college and I just happened to meet some really amazing mentors that I still look up to today. I was really involved with the San Diego Asian Film Festival. And so through that, I was able to do a lot of connecting with other filmmakers and people that uh, I'm a big fan of. Uh, this woman named Leanne Kim, who is the executive director from the film festival, she did a really amazing job at building community in San Diego. And I think that looking at it from a local level, that really allowed me to, I think, build the skill sets and the structure that I needed in order to be able to get more involved in the community. From there, that's where I met Minji back in the day. I met Henry back in the day. I look up to what these guys are doing. Jerry, I think you and I met at some point, maybe when we were babies. I don't know, man, like a lot of uh, different opportunities to connect with people. So yeah, it really enabled me to get more involved. And then from there, from the film festival, uh, I just made really good connections and continue to learn. And nowadays I'm very involved in hopefully building more connections for the newer generations and doing things like this, I do see that the community is blowing up right now. There's a lot of really amazing people out there doing really amazing things. And I consider myself very lucky to still be involved and to still be doing things. And hopefully, whatever background or whatever it is that we did when we were first coming up, Minji, Henry, and Jerry, that we can use this to help with what's currently going on. I think that there's cycles and the cycles turn into other things. Minji, let's go to you. We know all about you. Most of us have either been to a collaboration show have seen videos, you've helped to launch people's careers, you've been in the middle of people's friendships, relationships, tears, all that. Where did that start? Where, where did you find a passion to give literally your the years of your life to uplifting the Asian American community? That's that's a crazy origin story, probably too long to share here. That's why I have my own podcast. Um, <laughs> but I would say, honestly, the identity the identity awakening was when I moved in eighth grade to a really from an Asian part of the Bay area to a very white part of the Bay area. And it was 
this uh, recognition of otherness that I, I realized in the middle of like the Asian pride era that was like, I'm dating myself and basically revealing like how old I am in the late nineties really shaped my, my awakening to my identity. I really cared about it. I was very protective of it, very defensive of it, very angry about it as a teenager. Um, and that just kind of carried through to college. And then when I was in college, you know, dealing with normal college life, getting out of a really bad relationship, trying to figure out who I am, what I want to do in the world, also revealing my age. This is when YouTube emerged as a thing. It became a thing that we interacted with on a very regular basis. And through YouTube, I was actually able to find a video from collaboration. And that was such, it was like another awakening of, wow, there's a community of Asian Americans who are making it their mission to showcase how amazing Asian American artists are. And that's always something that I had really cared about since I was a little kid. I was a little thespian since I was four or five years old doing musicals and things like that. So um, I just connected with it and I really wanted to get involved. That didn't happen officially until 2009 when I was working and, you know, doing my whole adult young life thing. Um, and I had met PK in college because I invited him out to do a Casa Culture Night, which, of course, I was running a cult. These are these are all like foundational things that were laid out way early in advance. Like I did. I planned homecoming and prom in high school. I just I was a producer. You know, I loved throwing events. I loved having people have a good time. I loved kind of helping shape the milestones that really influence who we are. Um, and I think live events and gatherings like that always leave a really strong imprint on ourselves. So that carried through to college. I, I met PK. I cornered him. I was like, why are we not having a Bay Area chapter of collaboration? What's the deal? I like pulled out some Wikipedia stats to kind of be like, we have more Asians per capita in the Bay than in LA. I don't know what you're doing. And he actually offered me like, hey, you should volunteer and be the director. Then I didn't take it. So fast forward, you know, things things lined up. And it's just, you know, one thing leads to another. You never know, like, one, one passion project is going to lead to the next passion project. And to me, collaboration in the Asian American community has been, like, in a beautiful way, like a blob. It just keeps growing. And my love keeps growing. And the people that I've met, the friendships that I made, like, I've known Henry since 2010. And we've shared a lot of, like, life experiences. Even though he's up in Seattle, I've, you know, been in the Bay in L.A., these are relationships and bonds that are completely unbreakable. They're way more deep than just, oh, I care about representation. That representation resonates so much more deeply because I know who these people are. I know Dan's story. We've been able to become friends and talk about where his music's actually inspired from, from his own personal life. So it's not just an appreciation of the artistry. It's an appreciation of the artist. So that's what's kept me stuck. I'm never going anywhere because... I believe in these people. I, I want to do whatever I can, flex whatever I can, leverage whatever I can to help share these stories because they're phenomenal and they change lives. They change mine. I think that's an important thing that you bring up uh, just right at the end there, Minji, that we're all in the in, in various ways, whether it's through media or advertising or production or creating our own music. We're in the service of others. We're in the service of uh, uplifting other people's voices and stories with the hopes that it'll change some lives. But the first life that changes is our own because when you serve others, you actually become the virtual stage on which they stand. And we don't know what it's going to hit or how it's going to hit you or who is going to tell you that one thing or write you that one note or leave a comment. Um, but it is so rewarding. Um, that part, the rewarding part isn't why we do it. 
but it certainly does help keep the motivation going and, and for us to continue to do what we do. And as you said, 2020 has been a year and it's not over yet. Um, we're only two thirds of the way through. Can't wait for the last four months. Um, I can. <laughs> wow. Uh, 68 more days until the election. Vote early, register to vote. You know, there's a lot of things going on in this country and the world that, you know, um, has actually given us a chance to share these stories, right? Like, even though the three of us are here in LA and Henry's up in Seattle, here we are using technology, using this great service and using the power of the podcast and media to share these stories and to connect with people who actually may not live in very densely Asian populated areas. And in fact, I'm sure you can attest through your work with collaboration or as you dealt, you know, uh, met fans, Dan, like the, our biggest fans are the people who are most appreciative of this Asian American work don't live in LA, don't live in Seattle. They live in Oklahoma and Indiana in places where your first question is, how'd your family end up there? Because there's not a density of, of our community there. So I appreciate what you guys do. Uh, Henry, share with us uh, what you do and, and why you're so passionate about the Asian American community. You know, well, as, as Minji and Dan kind of mentioned, we've known each other probably about 10 plus years. Um, I'm up in Seattle again, Minji and Dan, when Minji was living in the Bay Area and Dan was always in, the, in Southern California. Anytime they would come to Seattle, they probably crashed on my couch. Um, and so um, they probably uh, both stayed with me several times. And uh, it's definitely been a rewarding experience just to kind of know uh, different uh, folks from all across the country that have the same passion as you. Um, collaboration for me, I kind of started out just not knowing exactly what it was. I, I saw it as kind of an opportunity just to kind of uh, learn more things about, you know, Asian, Asian Americans doing in entertainment. I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, you know, so about 10 years in Alaska. Uh, you don't see really see many Asian Americans in entertainment. And so coming to Seattle, the new Seattle chapter had just formed. I saw it as an opportunity to kind of learn more. Uh, and then that's how I met a bunch of talented performers, a bunch of passionate people and the staff all across the country. Uh, and one thing led to another, and I kind of got myself involved in helping promote K-pop shows uh, in Seattle, um, also by doing uh, other small and helping promote indie artists uh, as well. Uh, you may have heard of a band called New Heights, uh, Travis Atreo uh, is doing big things right now. So big shout out to Travis and Chris uh, and all the folks from New Heights from the back in the day. Um, I took on a role as their manager, didn't even know exactly what that was, but I wanted to do everything that I could um, to help my friends uh, really make it big. And then one thing led to another, and I, I landed a job with TDW & Co. And TDW & Co. is the current agency that I'm working for right now, a marketing and advertising agency. Uh, and we're the agency actually in charge of all communications uh, to reach Asian Americans for the 2020 census. And, you know, when we look at this task and scope overall, our job is to count every single Asian American living in the United States in a span of several months. And that's no easy task. And, and there are so many things that have gone into um, just making sure, ensuring that we have an accurate count. And I can obviously do this without the help of, you know, folks like Jerry, you, yourself, your podcast, Mindy in collaboration, Dan, along with ISA TV, uh, have been all tremendous partners in helping get the word out for the 2020 census. And, you know, we're here to kind of just tell you that time is running out. Um, there's not that much time left to complete the census. And, you know, once that's over, it's another 10 years. So 10 whole years before you get counted again, you literally do not count if you miss this opportunity. And so uh, we want to ensure that, you know, everyone's informed and everybody knows exactly why the census is important. Thanks, Henry. So the census, if you don't know, and it's okay if you don't know, we're here to share with you. Uh, no shame in, you know, not knowing. Uh, it's our way. It's our American way 
that we've designed, that the government has designed to count every single person that lived here as of April 1st, every 10 years. So where were you living majority of the time on April 1st of this year? For those students that might be watching, that might be very different than where you are today. And for a lot of us, we've had to make a lot of life changes. Perhaps you moved back home closer to family or relocated because of the pandemic. And so where were you April 1st? Most second important thing, status doesn't matter. Whether you are here, whether you were born here, whether you immigrated here, or whether you're here studying as an international student, if you had a residence here as of April 1st, you count. We want you to count. And three, where does this data go? The data is protected. It is anonymized. You don't have to share your status. We just want to know, the government wants to know how many people live and where they live. Why that's important, governments will look to this data to help divvy up the money. We all pay taxes, obviously. The federal gets some, state, local governments get whatever. And so how we determine how that pie gets divided is determined by where they think based on this data every 10 years where people live. So um, new schools in your neighborhood, that was a census thing. New police department or defunding of things certain in your neighborhood, that probably means that there wasn't enough census data to help justify new investments. And so it can impact. So you not filling out the census actually doesn't have a non-effect. It actually has a negative or a positive impact because it actually really matters a lot. And also businesses will look to census data, particularly businesses that serve smaller communities because their resources are more limited. Walmart might not care. They're going to put stores all over the country. But companies like HMart and other Asian markets that expand nationally may look to the census data to say, hey, are people in, you know, wherever you are, you know, should we open up a new store in Frisco, Texas? Probably because a ton of us there. Or, you know, should we open up a store in Anchorage, Alaska? The first place they're going to look is to get the census data to see where they are. I often don't do this on our show, but I want to share with you a little bit of how I got involved with the Asian American community. How, um, why, how the hell did Jerry end up becoming so passionate about us and sharing our story? So, so from from college, I, I think officially I started getting involved in the Asian American um, kind of the world in college. I had accidentally ran into a family friend um, who and his friends were restarting KSA or the Korean American Student Association my freshman year. Uh, to give historical context, uh, because of the financial crisis in Korea of the late 90s, also known as the IMF crisis, there was an exodus of Korean students out of USC, so KSA went defunct. Kind of a shocker, too, because now people really associate it with a place where there's a lot of Korean students. So we show up in 2000, there's no KSA. Like I went through the club fair and I was like, KKK, you know, not KKK, just going down the letters. <laughs> Sorry. And I was like, where the hell is the Korean club? You couldn't find one. And so uh, lo and behold, I run into my friend and he's like, just nonchalantly, he's like, hey, we're going to start KSA. We're going to meet tomorrow. You want to come? And saying that, yes, one yes has fundamentally changed the entire course of my life. Um, through that, I got involved with the Asian American and Korean American communities out here in Southern California. Um, I met PK because he was looking for a venue, a cheap student-sponsored venue at a school to throw the very first collaboration talent show in the in the spring of 2001. And unfortunately, we had to tell him that USC runs itself very much like a business and will charge us as much as they would charge him. And so we did not end up having it on campus. Um, but now, you know, thanks to that um, random meeting, um, I've been now friends with him. 
um, and have we done some crazy stuff together over the last 19 years. Um, but I think, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants like PK and like Minji, who've really put in the work to elevate the voices of representation. And so why and how this all happened now is we are, you know, our, our parents came here in a lot of different ways. And they their job was to survive. Their job was to assimilate, learn the language, learn the culture enough for them to survive, for them to provide us an opportunity to do more. And in a lot of our cases, the do more part wasn't just go to the right schools to get the right degrees and to get the right letters after your name. So now our responsibility and our, and our perhaps burden, but our real gift and an opportunity, what are we going to do to make this country better for our kids and the kids after that? And a part of that knowledge is the fact that we know the system now. We have no excuse. We're educated here. We have people here, whether it is politics or the different forms of civic engagement. We have to participate in the systems that are provided. Don't like the system? Change it. But for us to change the system, we have to first participate in the system. And so, yeah, the census is, like Minji said, who would have thought when, when we first started getting involved or 20 years ago when we were in college that we'd be sitting here talking to you about why it is so important to fill out the census? It's because that was never told to us. Our parents had no idea what the hell the census was. They didn't have in-language marketing to about the census in the 99. 1990 or the 2001. And the more noise we make, the more we actually make it easier for the executives and the government officials of these various agencies for us to never, for them to really respect our community's voices, to see us as a formidable force and to include us in these conversations. So feeling left out, don't think that, you know, people get slighted by being not invited to certain stages, do our part. And, and let's make sure that we, we get counted. Um, so let's do a quick round. So how long did it take each of you to fill out the 2020 census? Minji, how long did it take you online? Uh, I got, this is, I'm just being very real about me as a person. I got distracted in, in the middle of it. So really like it took me like, I think 10, 15 minutes, but that's with me like being a butterfly. Oh, like, oh, there's something over there that I need to look at. It was really quick. It was Squirrel. really fast. Yeah, exactly. Squirrel. Had you not been distracted, how long would it have taken you? Handful of minutes. Handful of minutes. Dan, how about you? How long is it supposed to take? Five minutes? So, I mean, so it's not really time. <laughs> so you, you don't have a timer when you start it. So. What's an average, though? I want to know. Why not? What do we tell people? I want to know the data. Because part of it, it, really, it really depends on. It, you know, how many members are in your household? You know, I mean, if you have a large household, right. you're gonna have to answer supplemental questions for each member of your household. Uh, for myself, it took about 10 minutes for me, um, just because it was just myself and my wife. And for me, it was kind of weird because us as an agency, we knew that the census forms or the invitation to complete the census was coming around March 12th. And so um, everyone who's been, work who's been working on this campaign for like maybe like two, past two, three years, we we're just kind of waiting for the census form to come, the census invite to come in the mail, like some nerd just like waiting for like government letters um, to come. <laughs> and so as soon as it came, I literally went from the mailbox to the computer to do it online. And then I was like, it's done. Uh, I don't have to worry about it. Like I can, I don't have to be, I don't have to feel like a hypocrite when I tell people to take the census from now until um, when the census is over, when the enumeration period is over. And so, yeah, for me, it took about, you know, five, 10 minutes. I've heard people completed like a couple minutes. Um, but yeah, it's, there's no really set time. So Tim took 15 minutes. Um, he might have a lot of people living with him. 
in his household because you have to fill out each information. Uh, I'm going for... to guess that he has a couple kids too. Yeah, so. if you, if you have kids, um, uh, you got you got to know when their when their birthdays are. Um, it took me under five minutes. By the way, speaking of kids, some people are under the misconception that newborn babies don't count. If your baby was born at midnight on April first, he he or she counts. So just ensure that you you count all, including newborn babies as well too. Every single alive human being in your household as of April first counts. So why are we bringing the time up? I'm trying to get you to a point where there's really no excuse not to fill it out. If you're at a desktop now and you're you're being entertained by the wonderful cast of characters here on the Asian Americans, open up a new tab, go to 2020census.gov, keep us in your ear, and fill it out. I guarantee you before the time we're done, you'll be done. You'll then be able to share with a few other friends that, you, you know, they can do it too. And, and one more thing, talk to your parents about it too. Uh, it's something that may not get to them. Um, you know, there, there's varying degrees of how involved our parents feel or want to feel as a part of the civic processes that make up the American lifestyle. Um, and so they may hear these ads, you know, of course there's ads being in Mandarin and Vietnamese and in Korean on the airwaves and in print everywhere. Um, you know, thanks to the great work at TDW and co and other agencies, but they may not feel as personally invested to fill it out. So the next time you call them, maybe you FaceTime with them, uh, ask them, have you filled it out? And you actually can walk them through it. Um, you just need to know their address and who lived in that household. And you can actually help fill them out, fill that out for them or instruct them on how to. Um, and so there's really no reason why not. Um, again, we keep saying that this matters for our community, but in fact, locally, it really matters a lot where you live and what kind of money comes into the system of where you live and whether you live in a big city or whether you live in a rural area. Um, we, we are what may be considered a hard to count demographic. You know, they, they track, obviously the census is like nerd math heaven is numbers galore. And so they can track the data on what demographics, you know, year over year or, you know, can project certain figures of participation rates. And so we want to make sure that we're doing all that we can. Um, and so please do take a moment to, to fill it out. Um, Jerry, can, yes. I say, can I, yeah, so, um, there's been a lot of conversations that have been happening really, really eye-opening conversations that I, again, I, I, I didn't understand the gravity of this moment. I didn't understand the significance of the census itself. I didn't know what really the, the data was, um, used for, cause I had heard of this word for many years. Cause you know, I'm in my thirties. It happened. The last census happened in my twenties, but I don't remember filling anything out. I definitely didn't fill it out then. Um, so it's just interesting the significance that I feel now as opposed to before and the level of, I think, maturity or sophistication about what kind of conversations we're having about it, especially this week. So I'll say that because of this week of action, thanks to Henry and TEW and co, they we've been having a lot more frank, very honest opinion shared. And so it's actually been really helpful for me because I've been leading events and conversations on why the census matters. Um to be very real about why people are not filling it out. Because I want to know. I'm like, there's a million different reasons why people aren't. It's not, to me, a matter of laziness. I do think a lot of people have a lot of awareness about the census, but they have maybe a lack of information or misinformation. I'm actually finding out even more that people are, there is like concerted effort to misinform people about what people will do with this data. So to me, the older I get, 
and the more things matter to me, I'm, I think about, well, what's in my way? What are the barriers? And so asking these questions have been really, really helpful to understand the attitudes, the distrust, um, the confusion, the misinformation that is really out there. So to me, because I talk to certain people directly and they're like, well, I know it takes a few minutes, but I don't trust the government. Like, why would I fill it out? You know, they don't, they don't see the benefit or they, they see that there is such a liability to it too. So I'm just like bringing that up because I know that we, we collectively here have a very duh attitude and um, we have all committed to that and followed through on that commitment, which I applaud and appreciate from everybody here. And also it doesn't serve us or our community to act like it's just a matter of time or it's just a matter of like, oh, it only takes five minutes. That's one component. I do know I have lazy friends and I myself, I took, I was not Henry. I took way longer. I, was, I had my thing for months and I was like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it later. <laughs> uh, so there is that component. And sometimes you just need a friend to like really hold you accountable. And maybe that's the thing that pushes you over the line to actually do it. Uh, and then in addition to that, I think there's a, there's a number of different issues really at the core of why people are refraining from it or why they're like consciously, I don't want to participate. I think those are all fair points. Lack of faith in institutions is, is a real thing. Uh, not has been around for a long time. Uh, perhaps a little bit more, uh, I don't know, top of mind this year, but uh, there are, I want to share with the audience too, and, and Henry, please chime in. Um, you're, you're far more knowledgeable on, on this than I am, but there are rules written into the, the, the formalities of how the protection of data is within the census. And your census data actually cannot be accessed in a non-anonymized format for 70 plus years. Um, so it is in a vault. Um, you know, I, I think it is not within uh, the, the jurisdiction of the census is not in um, in conjunction with or under the purview of uh, any agency that can use that data to harm people. Um, I certainly understand um, being in the immigrant community, that there's a lot of fear about what are you going to do? If they know that we live here, they're going to come get us. Um, who's going to find out? And, and those are real fears. Um, those are real fears that not just immigrants, but a lot of people of color live with on a daily basis. And why do I want to give them any data? Um, so, and, and, and so, you know, as, as Minji, thank you for bringing that up. It's, and I, I don't have a good answer for you other than, you know, we have to put the faith in the existing system um, because what's the, what's the alternative is to give up on the system and then where do we go from there, right? Um, and so, Henry, um, was, that, was that correct in, in the 70 plus years of, of data um, kind of being in a, in, in a vault of some sort? Yeah, I mean, th that is correct that, you know, the census has a, a very, very strict confidentiality system. You know, in fact, you know, they have strict rules in place and strict penalties in place for anyone that shares any, not only just census employees, but anyone extending to the agencies that help, including myself, that shares information about this, you know, private information out about the census, including, you know, prison time up to five years and fines up to $250,000. Now, that's, that, those are big numbers. And, and I, I definitely don't think that just by me giving you guys these like stats is going to change someone's mind right away about the distrust in the government. But as Jerry mentioned, I think we have to have faith in the system because the census really is, it's for statistics. It's really for statistics. And as you mentioned, it, it's used, the census data is used to determine 
allocation of federal funding for really important resources that you that you see in your community every day. I kind of liken it to like if you're going to a party and not telling the host that you're coming, the host is not going to prepare you know food for everybody. You know, so we really need to basically let let them know we're coming to the party. You know, let them know that we're going to be there, that we're here, and that we need a piece of that pie uh, as well. And so, uh, but not only that, I mean, I think 2020. You know, once every 20 years or so, the census and the, and the presidential elections fall in the same year, where everybody kind of has a lot of different things on their mind. And of course, 2020 being that year, it's going to happen this year too. But the census also represents, or the census also determines representation in the, in Congress, in your your House of Representatives. You know, the state of New York has lost seats in I think about two consecutive censuses because either they're undercounted or they're, they've lost members of their population. You know. We don't know exactly what seats or what states are potentially going to lose, uh, you know, lose representation. But every 10 years, you know, reappropriation happens where it redetermines the number of state representatives in Congress. And in turn, the consequences is, is it's going to affect the electoral map. It's going to help determine the president, which determines the president of the United States. Now, it's not going to affect this year's election, but it very well could uh, in four years um, see the effects of an undercount in your state. And because of COVID, because of the pandemic, uh, there's also a lot of changes and fluidity in deadlines and procedures and things like that. Um, but the deadline is fast approaching. And, and so part of census is representation. Part of what we all do in our own way is storytelling. Um, Dan, Dan, I want to bring you into the conversation and ask you about your own storytelling journey and we know, um, I know personally for a fact, many lives that have been positively impacted by your decision to share your story and do it in a, what must have been a very challenging decision to do it in a very public way. Share with us a little bit about the story you shared, but also what it's done for the way you see the world and your identity as an Asian American and a Korean American man. Uh, so maybe to make it more relevant to the conversation, how storytelling equates to like all of this, I think that it's really important to note that like probably a lot of filmmakers or a lot of studios get their data for the populations out there. If they're aware that there's X amount of Asian Americans that are available to be able to see a certain story, putting more money into that market. And so I think from the storytelling financial standpoint, that if you do want to see more stories that represent fill out the census, because then we'll know that there's X amount of Koreans out there. It also is really helpful from my standpoint that like, say, if I were to use the census to be able to determine that there are, I don't know, uh, 10,000 Koreans in Texas, then I would want to go to Texas to be able to showcase my talents in that location. And I would only know about that via the census. Also from the storytelling standpoint, I know that there are a lot more Asian Americans that are getting more involved with politics and different uh, uh, types of uh, governmental agencies. And so it's very cool to be able to see that. Go us. <laughs> Go us. And storytelling in 2020, particularly in the Asian American community, um, has really taken off. Um, you know, it's it's been 2020 in the whole was a very promising year. It was a year in which we started off with some big wins that we 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 claim for for team Asians, um, you know, on on big global award stages. Um, it seemed very optimistic, and you know, obviously with what happened with COVID and the, I don't want to say that the the rise 
it's always been there, but sort of the the, the rearing its ugly head of the anti-Asian hate crimes, um, the physical attacks, and particularly on members of our own community um, who have the toughest time defending themselves, I think in a way has really lit this fire in our hearts collectively and feel emboldened and feel inspired to share our stories. Um, you know, we, we created a group here called the Asian Podcast Network to build a community of like-minded podcasters and storytellers to come share resources, to share best practices, to encourage each other and to, you know, get that next person to start their own show or for that person to not quit producing because we know how challenging it is. And we've seen a lot of shows being started here in 2020. And functionally, it's a fact of people have a little bit of extra time. People have a little bit of extra resources right now, perhaps, or just you're not going anywhere. So you might as well do that at home. Um, but the emotional heart and the emotional reason and the reason from the heart is our story matters. And I think we are turning a corner um, on the backs of the giants who've paved the way um, to say our story matters. I'm going to tell my story because my story matters. And so that's important. Uh, this year was also a great year. And, you know, I want to highlight two amazing uh, documentaries that were released this year, um, perhaps not on purpose because it was a project in motion for a very long time. Uh, Babao Win directed Be Water, which is a documentary about Bruce Lee and on ESPN, on, on one of the world's greatest stages uh, for people to see us in a different way and to imagine a world where, you know, had he been in healthy and had a longer career, what kind of positive influence you would have had on on Asian men like us, you know, um, like me and other, other people. Um, and then Asian Americans, the PBS documentary that was directed by um, Renee Tajima Pena, um, who, by the way, if you follow her on social media, She's out there physically protesting every single day, um, willing to get arrested. Um, her kids went to jail in the city of Beverly Hills for protesting peacefully. Wow. If she's out there literally putting her life on the line, what excuse do we have, guys? Um, we're healthier. We're, you know, we're might be it's it's crazy, but you know, she put she brought a crew together. Uh and created this documentary to share stories about our community, about our people at a time where we weren't supposed to be counted, that we weren't counted as human beings. We were seen as less than, that we were put in concentration camps, that we were forbid, forbade from owning homes, for owning businesses. And people who hurt us physically burned our homes down and did more unspeakable atrocities got away scot-free. I, I want to speak to that, Joe, because I think it ties to what you're saying and even what Dan's saying about like the storytelling element, right? I think a, a word that has emerged in usage, like being used a lot now is narrative, right? Like what's the narrative? You can look at any situation, whether you're talking about race or money or whatever, anything, life experience, and someone's going to have a different view on what that is, Right of what happened, why did it happen, how did it happen, who did it affect? Someone's going to look at it very differently. And our stories have been largely vacant from any sort of uh, mainstream narrative, right? The, the narratives that we have been consuming and adopting and assimilating to have been largely white narratives. And I'll say 
on more of like an objective level, because I've been in this space, not just for diversity, but entertainment specifically, because that's what I'm so passionate about. And I'm an actor and now I want to be a writer filmmaker to understand structure and understand like, how do, how do you like build a, an arc and how do you take people on a journey? When you look at our narrative, this is me being very real about Asian America. This is not a judgment. This is an observation. Okay. We have assimilated and adopted to what other people have projected on us. There is some truth to stereotypes, right? What I have seen in being a leader in the Asian American space is that there are some of the most brilliant, most creative, most fire, like savage like, minds and spirits, but they're, they're sheltered and they're suppressed. And that I don't necessarily blame on like white America. I think there's a dynamic there that contributes to it cycling like, continuously. We're breaking it. Like you said, I think we're in the middle of breaking that. I think a lot of it is from like a lot of Western ideals, which I don't even like judge or hate on. I used to, when I was younger, I was like, there's parts of me that hated that Asian part it was like, why is everyone so damn quiet? Why is everyone so like unwilling to speak up, blah, blah, blah. Like I have my own anger towards that. But I do think that there's value and balance of like learning when to speak and learning when to just like keep your head down and do your job and do work. Right. And I think we've been in the midst of navigating that this generation in particular, I think Gen X, um, the millennials and Zoomers, like Zoomers are kind of like on this other level, which I love and I'm happy. But I think there's a lot there that I have personally witnessed in spades, being in the Asian American universe so deeply, working with artists who, like Dan, who like processes every day, who put it into a piece of art that thousands or millions of people consume. And we can like take that all in in a different way than if it was like piecemeal and one by one. I've been very lucky to have that. So um, in gaining that perspective, it seems more objective to me. I don't take it as personally if somebody assumes certain things about me because I know on a larger scale, it's pretty true. Like Henry, you know, like I, I'm curious what your thoughts are as a leader. I worked with people in collaboration were like the smartest and then they wouldn't even speak up, right? Because I was the director. So I had a certain level of authority because that's part of our culture is to be very reverent to our elders, et cetera, right? So some of these amazing volunteers would have these dope ideas that wouldn't come up for like after the show is over. And I'm like, yo, where were you? Why did you not say this earlier? <laughs> and they're like, well, you're the director. I can't, who am I to say that to you? And I'm like, no, I need your, I need your help. Like, I'm just trying to keep this ship from sinking, you know? So I'm curious what you think, Henry. I mean, I, th I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's, uh, it's kind of part stereotype. It's kind of the culture that we were brought up in. Not to be, I don't want to use the word submissive, but maybe like obedient, uh, kind of respect elders as well. Um, I know that's, we, we, we ask sometimes, why are you being so Asian, right? And what does that mean? Sometimes we say, you, you're always, there's Asian time, there's like Korean time, I hear all, all these kind of things that are sometimes related to stereotypes. And uh, I just kind of find that just really hilarious. Um, but as Minji says, like, you know, coming from a similar background, you know, I come from like, I'm a little bit older as well too. You know, I'm, almost pushing 40 here. And when I was working in collaboration, I was still one of the older ones, but I still had, you know, directors that I kind of reported up to as well. Um, but, you know, I think as Asian Americans, we do have to take on the responsibility of speaking up because if we stay silent, who's going to tell our stories? You know, if we, if we don't uh, tell our stories, you know, like Jerry with your podcast, you know, Minji with your podcast, Dan with your stories as well, you know, if, if none of these existed, you know, we'd just be, you know, the, the kid that's good at math in our class, you know, or, or the kid that, you know, is always going to uh, bring home good grades. It wasn't me. I wasn't the kid that brought home good grades, but I'm um, because I'm a stereotype breaker. Uh, but, um, you know, we definitely want to 
especially in these important causes, like like voting registration, like, like getting out to vote, you know, being counted in the census. You know, there's a lot of Asians who, I want to call them keyboard warriors, always just like, you know, talking about what they don't like about what's going on, but they're not going to go out and vote. They're not going to go out and take participate in the census. And so the biggest change, change really does start with you to use that, you know, uh, cliche. It, it does start with you to you know participate in the census, to go out and vote. And what better year than 2020 to do both of those, right? So um, definitely encourage every one of our, you know, Asian American friends and family members, um, you know, to just go out there and uh, really be heard. Uh, and civic duty is just a really big thing. Um, it's not that hard to do, but sometimes it's like the hardest thing to do in our minds. I want to call out Dan just because like I've personally witnessed him change a lot as an artist and I've seen him perform. And if anybody's been lucky enough to see Dan perform live, he is, he's fire. Like he's, there's a, a part of him that's very free. And like, I know I watched cause I'm the, like behind the scenes, I was watching the crowd and you're seeing dots connect or there's certain, there's lights being lit inside these young people, not all young people, but mostly young people um, witnessing that. And that's, that's, for a lot of people, a novelty still n less so now, but during this time that we've all kind of come up together. So, and I'm curious, Dan, cause I'm sure like your fans have talked to you really personally too, right? Like in, in what your music or what you've said or your identities meant. I mean, are you down to talk about any of that? Cause I, I've, I've watched them talk. I didn't hear everything they said to you. Actually, before Dan jumps in, as, as someone who's seen Dan perform many times, the first time I saw Dan perform, I thought he was having a seizure because the man was just like all over the place on the stage. He was just jumping up and down. The crowd was just like, he was hype man, man. You know, Dan is the ultimate hype man. And so uh, definitely want to show Dan some love on that. I like all of this. This is all good. <laughs> uh, so two things. The first thing, go back to what you guys were kind of saying. I think everything is, I always think about the way that we internalize what our surroundings, we're, we're ultimately the products of our environment. I think that nurture means way more than nature in the way that you are. We're basically empty slates and that there's levels of our culture that definitely influence us and that make us into who it is that we're supposed to be. I know that there's some elements of me being Asian physically that have enabled me to be whatever it is that I'm I currently in. I think that we're ultimately environments of all of these external influences. And I think that as I think about Asian people in America, we've only got some generations in you can literally see tangible things that are going on right now that would not have happened in the 90s but we needed to go we but we needed to be more active right now and so I, I i hate to say that we get the things that we need at the moments that we need them but we wouldn't have been able to have the progress that we've internalized all of the stuff that we that had happened before sure i think that maybe you can accelerate uh, if uh, people can be a little bit more active and like hit it on the the hammer a little bit more earlier but Using technology is a really, really good example of being able to increase what's going on. Many of us were on YouTube at the, the moments when YouTube first blew up. I also think this is why there's so many Asian American podcasts and the podcasts are going to be another level of like early adapting for the Asian American community because we, we haven't heard our stories and that we're using the podcast as a way to be able to like tell our stories in a way that we haven't been able to hear, hear before. So I think that, but we, we wouldn't have been early adapters of technology to be able to get to the place that we're currently at if we had access to other things or if we, if we hadn't felt the, the need that there needed to be access for some of these things. Anyway, so I could, 
I, I, I'm currently figuring out this thesis in my head as I'm talking about it, uh, but we're ultimately the products of our environment and that we're getting, we're, we're at the place that we need to be based off of everything that's, that's happened in our, our, our population. hundred percent agree with you. I, I talked about this with, with, uh, about this with AJ Raphael on our show. And I know we all know him and love him dearly. YouTube, he had to go to YouTube because he wasn't being invited on TV, right? All of us. We are going to YouTube, to podcasting, to our own independent distribution channels on Instagram because we feel collectively that we're going to have a better chance of being successful by reaching the audience that we know that exists without seeking or relying on the permission of somebody else who does not see our value as much as we see ours. And that, going back to what you were saying, Minji, we're, we're, we're obsessed with content these days. I make content, you make, we all make content, whether it's video or podcasts or movies, whatever. Much more than content is context. It matters so much more who's sharing the story, why we're sharing the story, and the impact that the person who's listening or watching the story that it's going to have on them. We can share the same story 10 different times, and the audiences are going to react 10 different ways. The four of us can actually, all being Asian American, read the same script, but our energy and our own experiences and how that emotion comes through portrays differently. That's all context. And so I know we're talking about the census where it's a very data-driven thing and the context sometimes gets lost, but we all have to understand that we, as children of immigrants, immigrants ourselves, we have to take ownership of, redefine, of defining what our community and our country looks like going forward because we live in a unique world and most of us are early immigrants of living in both worlds. It's a gift. Our, my kids are not going to have that. They're born well, here. I think that's I think that's a really powerful message. And even to expand further, it's what I have continued to learn is the expansiveness of what Asian American means. For example, like I'm a child of Korean immigrants. Dan is Korean American by ethnicity, by his like his physical, but he was adopted, right? So he's not a child of immigrants, like technically an Asian, but he's Asian American. So even in this this conversation that's expanding so much of that Asians are not a monolith, there's so many like I my parents came over here because they wanted more opportunities. I have friends from you know Vietnamese friends who they're all refugees, you know they're. They grew up under way different circumstances and way different connections to politics, to survival, to trauma. Like everybody's, we, we've all been kind of bucketed under this one name and it's a huge population and a huge expansive, uh, you know, variety of, of not just stories, but experiences, right? And, and those count. And then I think the danger in not being counted it is this cycle of invisibility and lack of accountability for me. And maybe it's because I'm in my thirties. I'm like all about accountability, especially if this is my money too. I'm just going to be so real. I talked about this on the collaboration because it like, it, it like lit a light bulb for me. It's like, I've been paying taxes ever since I've been working, which is since high school. You know what I mean? I've been paying taxes. It didn't register in my mind that like, these are my tax dollars at work. And then now more so when like I have things that I want to do, I want to go places, but I know like, okay, well, this chunk of like this big chunk of money, I can't touch it because that goes to the government. And then I don't care about like where that money goes. That is 
ludicrous. Like I care if my smoothie comes out wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I paid $7 for that. And it's like, for us, it's like, there's, again, there's so many ways to slice and dice someone's motivation or why they're connected to this, this data at the end of the day, it's numbers, but these numbers signify something much more. It signifies like, Hey, I'm here. Count me, be accountable to me. I matter. Um, holding politicians accountable, holding money accountable, whatever that is. And also to movie studios, like dancing, like, Hey, I'm part of this audience. I watch you Netflix, like pay attention to what I like and what I want, you know? Those all matter. And it comes down, I think, honestly, this younger generation, we know more than ever, like what numbers do. We know the significance of things when it's viral, when it, you know, like, and we don't have to place all our value on that. That's a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there is value to like, to, to be counted, to count. Um, and it goes way deeper. This is a very deep conversation. I get very deep. If you'll see this on my podcast, but um or hear it on my podcast. But I just, I think that there's so many conversations to have about this one thing. I'm glad that we're having them. I agree with Dan that we're where we're supposed to be. We have matured to this point. We're going to continue to mature it moving forward. And Minji, you should come back on our podcast or we should do a together <laughs> show because we, we can talk about this. Look, and, and I think if, if you're, if this is the first time or, or one of the very first times that you see a group of Asian Americans really talking about issues at this level, Welcome. We love having conversations, you know, and, and I wasn't always like this. For me, I, I talked about getting involved in college. Like that was about drinking and having fun, right? And with like-minded people that wanted to go party the same places I wanted to. And that's that was me when I was in college. But I needed that experience. I needed to get into the community somehow. And I've grown and I've evolved and I learn. I continue to learn. And and here we are, you know, trying to bring conversations together that matter. Um, and we should, Asian Americans should talk about what we do in our country, about how our votes and our, you know, our voices matter. Not all of us are going to run for office, although there's a lot of our great friends running for office. Not all of us are going to go into politics. Not all of us are going to be at that level, but we can each contribute. And like Minji said, it's our damn money. We just, we just, you know, like there, there's this whole conversation about, you know, the, the benefits, uh, you know, the, the pandemic benefits. And, you know, certain politicians are saying, well, we don't want to give it away. And it's like, well, it was never yours to begin with. And the last time we checked, like your salary comes from the tax budget. So, like, you also have to work for us. Um, and so um, with that, we're, we're coming up on an hour. Um, I want to give everybody a, a chance to say their their final uh, thoughts, perspectives, um, encouraging, inspirational, life-changing words as we close out. And, um, and we'll start with Dan, go to Minji, and finish out with Henry. Dan. Happy to be on here. Thank you so much, Jerry. Yeah, it's a very important topic. I think that we've hammered it in. I'm sure that for the people that are watching slash listening, that this is something that maybe you've heard once, maybe you've heard twice. Now that you hear it on a podcast, maybe you'll see it on your Instagram feed and that hopefully that enables you to really take this seriously and go fill it out. It's really quick and it's an easy, accessible thing to do. And it really is going to be important for the next 10 years. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me to be part of the conversation. I'm honored to be, especially in the company of these people. It's, it's an honor. And I've talked enough. I just feel like I said it all. <laughs> just, I think there's, there's, again, different ways to look at this, why it matters. Think about it. Give, it. give it a minute to think about why it could matter to you. 
and uh, also not just on like a personal level, but what it can also mean simultaneously for a larger purpose, for a larger community that also uh, will benefit greatly in a very positive, constructive way from your contribution. So like do for you, do for your community. And once that happens, hold accountability. It's like, this is not the end all be all. This is one thing. And then we go from here. You know, as Minji was speaking, I was like trying to think of like, what cool analogy can I come up with? And in my head, I was like, participating in the census is literally asking for a piece of a pie that you help bake. You know, it's your dollars that you're basically trying to get. If you basically you're, it, you want to make sure that you get that piece of that pie, right? And so, you know, as in closing, we are in the midst of our 2020 census week of action. And, you know, a lot of different organizations, very near and dear to me have helped participate and, and help get the word out. Uh, I just want to give big shout outs to Collaboration, uh, ISA TV, Gold House, CAPE, uh, We Are Uprisers, all these groups that are all friends with each other that have uh, gone out of the way uh, this week and really helped get the word out. All these influencers, the people that you grew up watching on YouTube, AJ Raphael, Harry Shum Juniors, Ronnie Chang, Lisa Ling, everyone has gotten the word out about the census this week. Uh, and definitely very appreciative because and they wouldn't be all mobilizing like this if it wasn't that important. Uh, and so definitely encourage everybody to uh, participate in the census. Uh, time is coming up. Uh, you are literally, if you missed out, not counted for the next 10 years. And definitely want to thank Jerry and Dear Asian Americans, uh, also the Asian Podcast Network for help getting the word out this week. Um, and definitely look forward to uh, you know finishing strong and just making sure that every one of us is counted. You rattled off some really big names and I am so honored to be the, who's that guy of that list? So <laughs> thank you, Henry, for inviting us and, and this show. And, and I want to finish with this. We've talked a lot about our contribution, our share of the pie. You're actually ensuring that your grandkids get a piece of the pie. You're actually ensuring that your kids, your friends' kids, your entire damn community, not just now, because decisions that are made from the 2020 census reverberate until lifetimes from now. Again, as, as Henry mentioned, uh, track maps are decided, uh, allocations, but also how congressional maps and decisions that are made and regardless of what you believe and who you want to vote for, how you can even vote is determined by this. So it's not a 10-year deal. You get to spend five minutes, and it's going to make five decades of impact because decisions last a long time in this country. We're seeing the impact of that today. So if you don't want to do it for yourself, think about your kids. Think about your unborn grandchildren, and think about the sacrifices that our parents made to come here and how you want to you know, build upon that. Um, Can yeah. I say one more yes, thing? Please. Just because this is a significant moment, it's very heavy on my mind, but what we can do for other uh, marginalized communities is really important too. It's for, it's, I, I don't want to take away anything from the Asian American uh, narrative, from our experiences, from our community, but also when we take space, we can make space for other people too. There are a lot of people that have had different forms of disenfranchisement in this country. And we have an opportunity and in certain ways that some people can look at it, a duty to do right by others who we've benefited from. I speak for me personally, I speak very uh, openly about Black Lives Matter because we as Asian Americans have benefited so much of based on the activism and, and the sacrifices and the just the horrible stuff that has happened in this country uh, to people of color, specifically to the black community. 
And we have an opportunity to like, again, take space to make space. And I'm learning every day more about my responsibility, more of my opportunity. So I'm just putting that out there for anybody who cares about that. I'm not saying everybody needs to, but if you do, this is yet another way to like, to flex, to flex that muscle. Thank you, Benji. Um, as, as we have been very busy within our community, getting the messages about the census um, and, and doing what we can to activate our community, um, we as a, a collective American community and a global community uh, continue to witness some of the implications or the ramifications of a system that is not built fairly for everybody. Um, and so we, we hope that justice comes for Jacob Blake and his family. Um, his life matters. All of our lives matter. And so if, if you're watching this, uh, we want to thank you. There's been some of you who've been with us for over an hour. And we know that there's a lot of things to watch. There's a lot of webinars going on. There's a lot of content out there. And for somebody who started this show about six months ago uh, to leave something for our kids, it means a great deal. Uh, so to Henry, to Minji, to Dan, um, Ooh, getting emotional. Um, this stuff matters. It, it matters to me, and I hope it matters to you. And there's no shame, absolutely no shame, wherever you are in your journey to find your own voice and to eventually speak it. No shame. And so continue on. Don't ever feel ashamed. Don't ever let anybody tell you that your story, your voice doesn't matter because I'm here to tell you that it does. One way to do it tactically, obviously, is to fill out the census, but just live in the mindset that our stories matter and that you have every permission in the universe to go share it in musical form, in podcast form, in video form, in written form, through your work, anything. And so thank you to our panelists. Um, I cannot wait. Literally, it's been six months. I cannot wait to see your beautiful faces in person and, and to celebrate. Um, in person, at live music events, at parties, over dinner, over drinks, um, and really celebrating the amazing humans that make up our Asian American community. Um, big thanks in particular to Henry for bringing all of us together and for all the work that TDW and co, all the hard work that you've been doing for years, literally years, um, to make sure that our community gets counted. So um, to you and the rest of the gang up there in Seattle and beyond, um, Bryce, I think you're watching. Uh, Gloria, I think you're watching. Thank you guys uh, from the bottom of my heart. Um, it is an honor and really an honor to be able to um, participate in this Asian Week of Action and to help get the messages about the 2020 census out there. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Please take a moment, if you haven't yet, to go to 2020census.gov. Learn the process. It just takes a few minutes, and please do fill out the census. Also, make sure that you're registered to vote in whatever state you are in. Also, learn about ways that you can vote early. Learn about ways that you can vote through the mail. Obviously, we are still in a pandemic, and we want to encourage everybody to vote as early as you can and to do it in the safest way possible. If this episode was fun, if you enjoyed our conversation and you want to share it out with a friend or two, we encourage you to do so. Be sure to tag us and as well follow us along all the socials. We are at the Asian Americans on Instagram, on Facebook. You can also search for us on LinkedIn. And on Twitter, we are just at Dear Asian M. Our inbox is always open, so you can send us a note if you have any questions, if you want to engage with us. Uh, topic and guest nominations are always welcome through the Instagram inbox at Dear Asian Americans, or just shoot me an email, hello at DearAsianAmericans.com. 
We've got an exciting panel of speakers and guests lined up for September. Cannot wait to share those out with you. We're just two months away from, about two months away from the election. So again, I urge you to register to vote. Check that you're registered, confirm it, and figure out ways that you can vote early. And also learn about different opportunities for you to serve and volunteer on different campaigns, whether it is locally or some different neighborhood. We always want you to make sure that you are doing our part and that we are all doing our part uh, to voice and flex our civic duty. Thanks again for tuning in, wherever you are, whenever you may be listening to this. I wish you all the health, safety, and happiness in the world. Thanks again for tuning into The Irish Americans. It means the world to me that you're listening. Signing off for Episode 71, this has been your host, Jerry Wan, and see you next Tuesday.